Good to see you once again, Hope Markham. Thanks for inviting us into your home, even though I can't see you, even though it's an empty room here in front of me. And now's the time we're going to be able to open the scriptures and seek the Lord with all of our heart. So I want to invite you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 8 for our last series, uh, our last message in this mini-series, learning to be able to live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Listen to Romans 8, verse 26 to 30. This is God's word. It speaks to us today, and this is what it says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, All things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purposes. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. At the most recent Grammy Awards show, a pop star Demi Lovato sang a song that she'd recently debuted. The song is called Anyone. She wrote it in 2018, but it was only released in 2020. Just before, when she wrote it in 2018, only a few weeks later, she relapsed into um, substance abuse that was almost fatal after living in sobriety for for six years. And she explains in interviews that at that time when she wrote that song, she, though living a sober life, felt like she was living a life that was so controlled by others and she wasn't happy. And she was crying out for someone to listen to her, uh, but she didn't feel like anyone understood what she was going through. And her song says this in one part, A hundred million stories, a hundred million songs. I feel stupid when I sing. Nobody's listening to me. Nobody's listening. I talk to shooting stars, but they always get it wrong. I feel stupid when I pray. So why am I praying anyway? If nobody's listening. Anyone. Please send me anyone. Lord, is there anyone? When we go through times of suffering in our own life and we, when we see suffering in the world around us, it can cloud life. It can cloud us in confusion. It can cloud us uh, in, in loneliness. And certainly in this time, a lot of us are feeling this cloud rest on our souls that has caused isolation, confusion. Maybe you feel it like I do. I feel it and I see it this confusion when I look around the world, even what's happening right now. Even within this pandemic right now, I, I feel confused and even angry when I hear about the severe neglect of elders in long-term care homes so that widows who have no one are left to sit in their own waste for hours and they're allowed to roam around spreading a virus without any protection, losing their lives. I'm confused when I see 
a police officer in Minneapolis take the life of an unarmed black man. I'm confused when I see a 12-year-old boy of an immigrant family in Markham tragically die after the house exploded because of a, because of a gas leak. And the pain of it makes it hard to pray, even though I should. We can take comfort in this, Christians. This confusion, this loneliness that we felt, that we feel, Jesus felt it too. Jesus felt it in the agonizing suffering at the cross. At the cross, Jesus lifted up his voice and yelled out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let that sink in. The all-knowing Son of God in his suffering still cried out, why? And certainly we can too. But our comfort is that our Savior knows the pains of our suffering. Romans 8, 26 to 30 helps us. It helps us to be able to cut through the confusion of our suffering. Maybe not necessarily in a way that answers all the questions. Maybe not in a way that removes the suffering itself, and probably not. But in a way that can allow hope and peace to settle in our hearts. Romans 8 verse 26 to 30 can help us cut through the confusion of our suffering and show us the ways that God settles our hearts with hope and peace. So as we prepare to consider how God's word and God's spirit does this, let's be quiet in our hearts and turn them towards him in prayer. God, thank you that you are Father and you love us as your children. Thank you that we can know your Son and share in the sufferings which he suffered through. And thank you that you've given us the Spirit who can help us in our weaknesses and settle in our hearts hope and peace. God, we need this now. We need this today. God of mercy, God of all comfort, comfort us in our affliction today that we may be able to comfort others also and that you may be honored in our endurance through the pain. In Jesus' name. Amen. There are two ways that this passage shows us that hope and peace can settle in our hearts having cut through the confusion of suffering. The first way that we see is the help of the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 and verse 27 shows us that the Holy Spirit's help can cut through the confusion of suffering. So how does the Spirit help? We'll look at verse 26 again. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. What are the weaknesses? For we do not know what to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit helps us when we pray. And we can't pray because suffering weakens us in our prayer. The life of Jesus and the way of teach, Jesus teaches us that when we suffer, we ought to pray. In Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus taught his disciples that they ought to pray and not lose heart. We ought to pray, but Jesus knows that often our prayers can be lame. 
Well, the good news is that Jesus empathizes with that. In Matthew 26, verse 40, when Jesus asked his disciples, three of them, to come and pray with him because he knew that death was at hand for him, he, he found his disciples sleeping. And he said, could you not watch with me for one hour? But then we see his compassion towards us when he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Do you feel your weakness in prayer like I do? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, no, pastor. I got this. I know how, what to pray, when to pray, at any circumstance that prayer comes. Well, you may feel that way, but if you do, you're positioning yourself in a place that even the great apostle Paul doesn't put himself. See, listen to the people that he's talking about. He's not just talking to the people he's writing to. He's talking about himself. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. Paul groups himself into this category of weak, lame prayers. And from personal experience, uh, I've seen that the reason at least I, feel like I've got prayer down pat is because I can either treat prayer like an exhibition or a showcase. Kind of like when you go to a car show where everyone else comes around and I'm the main show. And my nice words are just put on display so that you can think nice things about me. And I think you probably might pray like that if while other people are praying in the group, you're not listening to their prayers, but you're actually thinking about what you're going to pray. The other reason that people don't assume or don't think that they're weak prayers is because whenever prayer time comes, they act like it's a spelling bee. You know, like you see those kids on those nationally televised spelling bee where you need to have all the right answer every time and you're rehearsing the right thing and when someone tells you a struggle or a weakness they have, you're not empathizing with them, you're not sharing with them in that feeling, you're immediately formulating an answer like it's a Bible test so that you can go on to the next round and missing that there's a hurting person right in front of you. But for the rest of us, we know that we're weak at prayer and we offer God lame prayers. And when suffering makes our hearts so heavy, it can crush our faith and make it feel like our lame prayers aren't even worth praying. I felt that this past week. Crushed by the things that I saw around me and so crushed under it that it was hard to pray. I couldn't. But then after a good sleep and renewing my mind in God's word, even though I didn't know what to pray, and even though I prayed a lame prayer, the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives legs to lame prayers. The Holy Spirit invites us to embrace our emotions and pray lame prayers. We may not know what to pray, because we're crushed under the weight of our weakness when we see the suffering of the world around us and feel it in us. We may not know what to pray, but with the Spirit's help, God the Father hears even the lamest of prayers. 
And the scripture tells us how. Verse 27, he, that's the father, who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. See, here's the comfort. Here's the good news. You may not know what's in your heart. The Father searches hearts and knows what's in your heart. You may not know how to say what's in your heart. The Spirit can speak on your behalf. That's what intercession is. And even when, if you open your heart towards God, trusting that he sees your heart and loves you still, and believing that the Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf, all that might come out are inexpressible groanings and sobbings from wet ears and snotty noses. And God invites those prayers. God wants those prayers. He doesn't want spelling bee, perfect theological answer prayers. He wants the prayers of his children. And we can trust that the Holy Spirit in us can give legs to our lame prayers. The help of the Spirit can cut through the confusion of our suffering. It may not give the answers that we want. It may not remove the suffering as we'd prefer. But it can settle my heart. It can settle your heart with hope and peace as God accomplishes his goodwill through our weakness and in our sufferings. Some of your ears are immediately perking up when you hear God's will. And you're already asking, what is God's will? How could God be working in the midst of this? Well, this is the second way that we see God cut through the confusion of our suffering. We see it in that the Spirit helps us in our lame prayers, and we see it in the good of God's redemption. Verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he the son Jesus might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and those whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified the goodness of God's redemptive work can cut through the confusion of our suffering so that we see hope and peace settled on our hearts see God's will is seen in the good purposes of his redemptive plan Redemption is the way that God is bringing humanity and the world he created back to what he designed it to be under the authority of Jesus as its king. And God's redemptive work is is allowing all things to work together for good. That's God's will. But you might already be asking yourself, okay, but where's the good in my chemotherapy? Where's the good in my wayward child who's made all the decisions that I thought I raised him not to? Where's the good when I can't even go to see my parents' funeral? Through our sufferings, God's good purpose can be seen in two ways, as this passage tells us. 
it can be seen in what God is doing now and what he will do in the future. Through our sufferings now, God is making a whole person of you in Christ Jesus. The text says that God, those whom he foreknew, God, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. All right, I want you to buckle in here because you're going to learn some big theological words that some people only read in textbooks if they ever read it at all. And it might be confusing. I'll try and break it down as simply as I can. Press in. And because we're going to learn some unique things during this time. To be predestined according to foreknowledge simply means to be chosen beforehand according to God's sovereign prior knowledge. God knew that you would be chosen to believe in his son and be born again with the hope of eternal life and the blessing of abundant life now. Humanity was created in the image of God. But our true humanity, what it really means to be a human being, has been ruined by sin. But in sending Jesus to this earth, he sent the Son of God who we saw as the perfect human, the true human. God chose you beforehand by his knowledge so that by faith in Jesus, you would be changed and transformed and restored to the truest sense of humanity, conformed and molded after the image of Christ like a potter molds clay. So God is molding you and often maybe even most often, he does that through our sufferings. So we push back and say, it's not fair, and why me? But within it, the, uh, the maker is at work, and he's doing something good. He, it was fitting that the Son of God himself would suffer. It is fitting that as we become conformed into his image, that we suffer like him, and we suffer with him. And the purpose in it is so that as you are molded into the image of Christ, the world around might see the fullness of who Christ is. And the more Christ is seen in more lives, the more Christ is honored among more people. All right, so let's learn another thing here. The idea that we are conformed into the image of the Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn. What does firstborn mean? Well, in ancient cultures, firstborn doesn't just mean first in order. It means first in rank. See, God is changing and molding you into the image of his son so that more people might see the beauty of God's son in your life, the grace of God's son in your life, the mercy of God's son in your life. Now, if you're curious about the claims of Christianity and you're here that you might feel like you're being used in some kind of project or that you're some kind of pawn in a chess game. I understand why you might feel that way, but I would invite you to look to the cross. It's worth it to embrace the sufferings of this life for the honor of another when I know that he endured the sufferings that I deserved and laid down his life for me. Romans chapter, uh, the verse is escaping me right now, the reference, but 
passage in Romans says, none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. And for this reason, Christ died and raised from the dead, that it might be seen that he is Lord of both the living and the dead. You can endure through suffering for Christ's sake when you have the faith to know that he endured suffering for our sake. We love because he first loved us. That's what God is doing now. But there's also something that God is doing in the future as well. God's not just working through our sufferings now. We have the hope that when our King Jesus returns and all things are new, all suffering will melt away as the snow melts under the spring sun. But right now we don't feel that. Right now we feel like, like C.S. Lewis said in the Chronicles of Narnia, it's always winter, but it's never Christmas. We feel right now the, the cold, dark, bitter chill of suffering. But you can have hope. The goodness of redemption will finally allow all of the pains of suffering to melt away. Verse 30, look at this. It says, those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Uh, in the lock home where I grew up, um, I remember these paintings that my parents had. I really liked the style of this one artist, Trisha Romance. And even if I didn't see the signature, which was very distinguishable of Trisha Romance in the corner, when I saw the style of a romance painting, I knew that I was look what I was looking at before I even saw the signature. And now in my home with my wife, Jenny, uh, we have another artist whose copies of uh, paintings are on our wall, and that's my favorite painter, Norman Rockwell. And as I first was exposed to Norman Rockwell, I noticed that he had a very distinct signature that he puts on his paintings. One of my favorite paintings is a one of an old um, grandmother that I've shown before called Saying Grace. And even before you see the signature, you can know the style but these people are so well known that some artists do their best to mimic a Rockwell or to mimic a romance. It's when you see the distinguishing mark of the signature that you know it's authentic, that you know it's real. The goodness of God's redemptive work in our lives can cut through our suffering to know that we can have hope and peace. But to a lot of us, especially in the midst of our suffering, the good work of God's redemption it's a, can feel like a mystery. You don't know where to see it. But when you look at what God has done and what God will do in redemption, in the gospel, you can see the distinguishing mark, the signature of the artistic beauty of the gospel in your life to know that God's good work of redemption is active. And what he started, he will finish do you remember when he called you? Those whom he predestined, he also called. 
Do you remember when you first heard God's unique voice that called you in a unique, personable way by name and called you back from where you were going and forward towards where he wants to lead you? Do you remember when you first believed in Christ, when he called you? Do you remember when you were justified, when you put your faith in him, when you enacted your faith in Jesus? Do you remember when the weight and the shackles of the sin fell off? And after for so long, recognizing you were in the wrong, finally believing that once and for all, you were put in the right by God, forgiven and cleansed. Do you know that there will be one day when all wrongs will be made right and all things will be made new? And though we suffer with him now, we will be glorified with him in the future. And all the wrong that Christ bore himself on his body when he was crucified on that tree, he overcame when he rose from the dead in a glorified body. And do you know that there will be a day when we will rise as Christ will rise and all that he overcame, we will overcome within him and all suffering then will melt away. Do you know that? You've been predestined. You've been called. You have been justified. You will be glorified. The goodness of God's redemption is at work in you. What he started, he will finish. Yet the bitter chill of suffering bites us today. Though you may be clouded by suffering, now you can have hope for the future because Christ is risen from the dead. And it's hard, it's hard preaching in an empty room. I know that a, a couple of my brothers in Christ who are vocal in the sermon, one of them would yell out right there and be like, amen, and I don't hear any of that right now. And it's so hard not being here with you. I want to sing with you. I want to worship with you. But we're not there right now. But the Spirit is with us. And God can cut through the confusion of our suffering. Not necessarily in a way that gives answers. Not necessarily in a way that removes the suffering, but in a way that allows our hearts to settle with hope and peace. And he can do that in your life today. Because he will help you. The Spirit helps us in our prayers. And because the good work of redemption is at work in our lives. So what can you do today? What can we do today to cooperate with the Spirit and like a warm, heavy blanket see hope and peace wrap around our lives? I would say this first. Open your heart to God. Open your heart to God. The Father searches hearts and he knows our hearts. And if we are going to even pray lame prayers, we need to open our hearts to God. But for some of you, that's going to be hard today because you've probably built up habits for weeks, months, maybe over the past couple days and weeks during this pandemic as well, maybe over the years since you've been married. 
You may have developed habits that just numb the pain of the suffering that you feel and the suffering that you see. And for some, they numb the pain with unnecessary overworking. For some, it's substance abuse. For some, it's endlessly scrolling on social media. For some, it's oversleeping. For some, it's overeating. And it's going to take time for you to learn to put off these old habits through repentance and faith and put on new habits with loving obedience. But today, maybe today's the day where you just need to, for the first time, log off all the social media. Acknowledge what you use to numb your pain and just be open before God. We need to first open our heart before God, but then then we need to find the time and the space to pray lame prayers. It's okay that you don't know what to say. The Father knows your heart. The Spirit speaks on your behalf. Open your heart and find the time and space to pray lame prayers. And that time and space will look different for us. For some of us, it's going to be the morning. For some of it's the evening. For some of this, it's going to be right now, as in the middle of this sermon, telling someone in the chat, please call me, I need to talk to someone. And if that's you, do it. We got people waiting for your call. For some, it's going to be walking in the forest. For some, it's going to be kneeling on hard, tiled kitchen floor. For some, it's going to be singing. For some, it's going to be silent. But for whatever way you do it, today can be the day that you're finally open with God. And even though you don't know what to say, you just lay it down and pour it out. And maybe you don't know what to say. Read the Psalms. Read Psalm 25 if you uh, feel burdened by guilt and shame. Read Psalm 51 if you feel like you need forgiveness and you need to be cleansed. Read Psalm 100 if you don't know how to worship and you want to worship today. And let those prayers be your prayers. Whatever you need to do, just know that God loves you. Open your heart to him and pray the lame prayer and the spirit will give it legs. And God will hear. And then finally, carry on together. You're not meant to go along alone. That's one of so many reasons why this time is so hard. But by the grace of technology, uh, we can still carry on. We can still interact with one another. This past week, I had two staff members just come up my home. JC Fernandez dropped me off some empanadas. Uh, Matt and Rachel Rohr dropped me off some cookies. Man, just being like 12 feet apart from them or even just seeing where they dropped off was just such an encouragement. In a way that respects what the government is telling us to do right now, we can reach out. We don't need to be alone. If you need help, reach out for help. If you see someone bearing a burden, reach out and carry it with them. Open your heart to God. Find the time and space to pray lame prayers and carry on together. And this way the Spirit can help cut through the confusion of our suffering and let hope and peace settle in our hearts. And what does that look like? It looks like Romans 8 verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It looks like Romans 8, 38. 
For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hope and peace looks like being able to read that and believe it like it's your own words because it's true in Christ. And you may not have that today. God is at hand. Reach out to him. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that the Spirit cuts through the confusion. Thank you for empathizing with our weaknesses. I don't know what to say, Lord God, but I need you. And I know we do too. And it's hard to shepherd the church during this time as pastor because I'm so distant from the church, but I'm so thankful that you are a good shepherd. You are the shepherd and overseer of our souls. So would you shepherd us in Jesus' name, amen.